Good morning. <clears throat> you doing okay today? Okay, it's great, it's great to see you. Thank you, uh, praise team, for, for that. That was really, really amazing. Um, it's good to see everybody today. And what I want to do, first of all, is, you know, this past week, uh, our nation celebrated Veterans Day. And so uh, I'd like to ask uh, if you're a veteran to stand up and let us recognize you today. that and for serving you know days like that are, are are a reminder of how blessed that you and I really are uh, to live where we do and to be um, shown favor by the Lord in many different ways so next on the agenda oh by the way if you saw snow yesterday and you started decorate for Christmas because of it I will be available for counseling after the service look Halloween just ended I mean literally we haven't even got to Thanksgiving yet um, so Thanksgiving yes all right so look I, I gotta tell you this so my mom calls me and says Zachary that's what she calls me um, what what do you want for Thanksgiving, right? Do you have any special requests for Thanksgiving? Like, you don't know me by now, Mom? I mean, you know, uh, I said, yes, deviled eggs. I, I got to have deviled eggs. Is anybody else there today? Right? All right, amen. Stephen England. You and I will be by ourselves after <laughs> this afternoon, hopefully outside somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, so we're planning this Thanksgiving lunch today, and Buck called me too and said, hey, any special request? And I said, deviled eggs. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I'm a preacher, right? So I just love deviled eggs. There's no joke in that. It's just funny, okay? <laughs> um, Jesus couldn't ever make deviled eggs. His yoke was too easy. Sorry about that. All right, moving on. So that was, uh, you know, those are requests. That was a request. Like, I'd like to have that, right? Um, a request is one thing, and a requirement is another thing, right? Requirement. Um, I shared a story with you a while back of how I did jury duty. Thank you, Jessica. Um, it was funny, a few weeks ago, my wife got a letter in the mail for a jury duty summons, but for federal, right? Um, it's so funny. So we, we walked through it together, you know, how to do the stuff online, and she said, well, I'll, you know, I'll do it later. Hey, you got 10 days to respond to that thing, all right? So, so many days later, I'm not going to say how many, um, you getting ready to go to sleep one night, honey, did you, did you do that? Did you fill that out? <gasps> <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Um, 
you know, I said, just put on there that you're a nurse practitioner and all this stuff. They'll probably let you out anyway. I mean, tell them you were with a patient for several days. I don't know. Anyway, so sometimes there are requests. Sometimes there are requirements. What are God's requirements? If you look at God's word, sometimes there's requests from him. Sometimes there's requirements from him. You know, what does the Lord require of his people? Pretty important question for you and I today. Requirements from the Lord. When I ask you that question, or if I ask anybody that question, you might start thinking things like being here today, coming to church, um, serving in the church, you know, volunteering, reading your Bible, right? Maybe spending some time in prayer, giving of, of your money, giving of your resources back to the Lord. You might be thinking those things, right? Those are requirements by the Lord. And those things are important. And those things are taught to us in God's word. Those things are things in which we are to be faithful and obedient to God. But if you are not careful, those things can become ritualistic. Ritualistic. It, it, those things can become things that you just simply do. Just going through the motions. And you look at many, many, many religions and many, many, many denominations out there, it simply becomes ritualistic, which is a, a do type of religion, a works-based type of, of religion if you just do these things. We'll be in Micah today, the Old Testament book of Micah, who was a prophet. Look at Micah 6, verse 6. I want to, before I get to where I'm going, I want to start here. Micah 6, 6. Notice this here. With, with what shall I come before the Lord? Remember last week we talked about if you see Lord in the Bible and it's all caps, all caps, that is Yahweh. That is his holy name. I am who I am. So with what shall I come before Yahweh, the Lord? With what shall I come before I am, Right? And bow down before the exalted God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? Anybody do a burnt offering lately? I mean, that, that was a big deal back then. I mean, you literally had to burn an animal, right, as an offering. With calves a year old, just to let you fill you in on some information, if you did not know, a calf that is a year old is very expensive. Very, very expensive. You'd have to invest a year into raising it and protecting it and into nourishing it. What do you make in a year? Calf, a year old? Verse 7. Will, will Yahweh be, be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of, of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression you know even if i were to become like abraham and and offer my own son will that work 
is, is that what the Lord requires? The fruit of, of my body for the sin of my soul? Micah starts asking all these questions in his, his letter. He's a prophet, so he's speaking from the Lord to God's people, the people of Israel, and they were just going through the motions. You know, God is, here's a, here's a thing about God. Man, such an important truth for every one of us. God is more interested in who you are becoming than what you are doing. Who you are becoming than what you are doing. That speaks to us of transformation. Transformation. You know, we talked to you about change last week, the changing of the seasons, the beetles and the birds, the birds and the beetles. We talked to you about change. You know, the biggest change ever, the biggest change that God wants to make is the change within you. He wants to change you. He wants you to become more like Jesus Christ, his son. We've been in this series called The Word, and we really wanted to look at the importance of the Bible, not just a church-type message like we all know that the Bible is important, Right? If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've been taught that. But I want you to feel it. I want you to own it and understand it. That probably the most valuable thing to you, aside from your relationship with Jesus, is his word. His word. And if you look at, out at countries all over the world where the word is, is outlawed, it is precious to them. It's precious. Men and women have lost their lives because of it we need to value value his his word we need to live by it not just read it memorize it right have it as decoration on our tables as a centerpiece for thanksgiving it's life it's life you know what the word tells us what is required what is required. Then we get to verse 8. Okay? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does Yahweh require of you? Here's what it is. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Have you heard this verse before? Most of you, most of you have. And this message is going to be really simple. We're just going to look at the three things that is required, that the Lord requires. Okay? First of all, act justly. Act justly. Notice it doesn't say, and I've heard this before, seek justice. As in revenge. Right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Like so many times we're like, man, I, I, I got to take care of this. Right? I I need some justice here. I'm going to bring it. Justice is about to be served. It doesn't say that. It says act justly. In other words, it literally means to act righteous. To act righteous. To live righteous. To live justly. Proverbs 21.3. The, the great thing I love about God's word is if you see verses in other places, it will support the truth. The Bible never contradicts itself. It always supports itself. 
Martin Luther used to say the best commentary on God's word is God word, God's word itself. Proverbs 21.3 says exactly what Micah 6.8 tells us. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to Yahweh than sacrifice. You know, um, in context, in Micah's day, Micah was a prophet of Israel. He was around the time of, of King Hezekiah and, and guys like that. And the people of Israel were in a bad place. They were in a dark place. They were in a place where they didn't see God as authoritative, God as their father. Um, they were disobedient in many, many ways. And it wasn't just with the people. Look, it was also with the priests. With the priests. Terrible time. They were acting like everyone else. They were, they were their own boss. They did what they wanted to do. And honestly, they didn't care if they were hurting or even helping others. They didn't care. It sounds a lot like our world today. You know, the truth is God requires his people to live differently than the world around them, to live by different standards, to live by different morals. You know, to act, to act justly, in a world that is unjust, do you realize that this is an unjust world? This is a messed up place, folks. To act just in an unjust world is required by God, and it requires you to have some determination, some wisdom, some strength. I love what Alistair Begg, he's, a, he's either Irish or Scottish. I don't know the difference between the two, but they sound the same to me. He's one of those preachers, but I love listening to him speak, and he says this, the world is out of harmony. The way to remedy the world is to act according to the will of God. Everyone has their own idea of right and wrong, but God has his say, and acting justly involves living by his rules and representing him in a world that is all out of sorts. Isn't that good? I mean, we live in a day where, look, I'm right, right? What I believe is right is right. We have our own interpretation of what's right and what's wrong, and, and the weird thing about it is what's right today was wrong just 20 years ago. And it all changes, and it's open to interpretation. But God has his say, and the person that acts justly is the person that does the will of God. Psalm 106.3, blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Blessed. Man, you know, here's the truth. You won't always do what is right. You know, we're imperfect people. We won't always do justly. But the more righteous and the more just you are in your daily actions, the more blessed your life will be. That is a promise from the Word of God. Not only that, but the more your actions in your life will be a blessing to others. How, how can you act justly in this world? How can you do that requirement of God? Well, 
you can start with yourself by living according to God's standards. You know, there's things that you shouldn't do. There's things that you shouldn't say. There's things that you should do, and there's things that you should say. And it's all found in his word. And it's all given to us in the example of Jesus Christ. We need to be faithful and, and genuine in, our, in what we believe and who we follow and what we do with our lives. You can take time to minister to those in need. And that's making a difference in this world. It's first of all, just seeing people in need. And taking time to see outside of your own life. You can take a stand against injustice. There's injustices all over the world, all over our country, even in our own area. You can make a difference. It's not turning a blind eye. It's not rushing in and blowing things up either. It's genuinely thinking and doing something to make a difference, to act justly. You know, orphans is a big problem. It's always been a big problem in the world today. You know, I, I heard this this week, that if orphans were a nation today by themselves, they would be the ninth largest nation in the world. That's how many there are. That's a big need. And I know many of you have went through the process of adoption. Man, that's so great. You're acting justly. I know many of you support uh, ministries and organizations that help out in those areas, that's great. You're acting justly. I know this Operation Christmas Child, most of these go to orphans. Did you know that? That is acting justly. Man. Next thing we learn, next requirement is to love mercy. Love mercy. Now, two terms you're going to learn in the Bible is grace and mercy. And they're different. They're different. Grace is giving something good even when it's not deserved, right? So grace starts with a G, so does gift. All right, that's an easy way to remember it. Grace is a gift, and a gift you always give, right? Sometimes you get, but grace you give out when, even when it's not deserved. Mercy is withholding punishment that is deserved, right? It's not giving the punishment that someone deserves. But notice it says to love mercy. To love it. Love it. How hard is that? Like sometimes we just do it and we're just like, because we have to, right? Because we know we're supposed to. No, it's just to love mercy. Well, what this literally means is to live by it. To love the idea of it. So much so that, that you adopt it into your own life. You love mercy. It becomes part of you and how you live. In this next scripture, Jesus, when he came on the scene, he showed mercy. He lived with it. And he ate with sinners, okay? He started interacting with people that other people had written off. He started interacting with sinners who other people had condemned and judged. And, and the religious people, the religious folk, looked at Jesus and said, what are you doing? They don't deserve that. Actually, these people deserve punishment. We need to be condemning these people. They need to be held accountable. What did Jesus do? He ate with them. He spent time with them. Notice verse, Matthew 9, verse 13. You know what he tells these people? Go 
and learn, right? Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Do you see how that supports Micah 6.8? These people had the sacrificial system down to a T. He knew they were void of something more important, right? The transformation on the inside. So Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus will go on to teach, blessed are the merciful, for they shall inherit mercy. And Jesus would go on to teach his disciples how to pray, and he would say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, mercy and forgiveness are related. When, you're, when you forgive, you're foregoing. That's what the word means. You're, you're foregoing giving punishment or giving what's deserved. Truth is, God loves everyone. He has compassion and mercy on everyone. And so he calls those who love him to do the same, to do the same. Psalm 145, 9. The Lord, Yahweh, is good to all. I don't understand that. I don't understand how God could be good to evil people. But it's not up for me to understand that. See, but the word also tells us that God is good. His very nature is good. But the Lord is good to all. And notice this. He has compassion on all he has made. Man, does that not make you feel a little small? Like in comparison to everyone else? It should make you feel privileged as well. Man. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. So we need to love mercy because God does. Now look, look, look. This is not a blanket requirement. For example, um, you know, like our justice system, right? A criminal goes to court and a judge says, okay, I'm going to do the requirement of the Lord and you are, I'm going to have mercy on you, right? Because it's required of me. Or if you're a business owner, or if you're a manager, and you have an employee that does something that they shouldn't, and you are required to let them go, to terminate them, right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm doing what the Lord has required of me. I'm having mercy and compassion. Or even within the church, right? You know, there are matters within the church that the Bible clearly tells us how to go about doing those, how to settle those, how to go about discipline in disputes, right? What, what this is getting at is love mercy in your daily life. As you live, as you interact with people on a daily basis, love mercy, show mercy. How can you love mercy? Look, be patient with people. Anybody else impatient in here? Yeah, you're all thinking, man, is he going to shut up? I'm ready to eat. I know what you're thinking. Look, here's, here's something very practical. How about cutting someone some slack? Can you do that? Cut them some slack. How about putting up with quirky people? 
Anybody know anybody quirky? Don't look at the person next to you. Like we all have those little weird things about us. And if you don't think that, you're really weird. Like people talk about you all the time. You don't even know it. We all have these like these little hiccups about us and these little faults and these little it's all unique to us. Be willing to put up <clears throat> with that. And look, by all means, people, please don't be so easily offended. Don't be so easily offended. Man, we can we can let some little things go. I promise you, you will enjoy life more if you will do that. Just let some little things go. Um, or you could do the really, really hard thing and go all out and just forgive somebody. Imagine doing that, right? And, and getting off the grudge team and getting on the forgiveness team. Man, some very practical ways that you can show mercy and look we're required to required to you know you can do a whole bunch of religious things you can go through the motions but until you start loving and living by mercy you're you're not doing what the lord requires of you finally the next requirement is this walk humbly with your god notice it says your god i love that your god I'm still learning this truth, and I still don't fully get it. But for some reason, Yahweh, I am the Lord, the God of heaven, wants a relationship with me. And I'm not even thinking about you all. I'm thinking about me, right? God wants a relationship with you. And look, just be honest with me. You can think through this with me. You do not think about that all the time, do you? As you're working, as you're living each and every day, as you're driving in your car, do you realize that God wants and desires, what he most wants is a personal relationship with you, an intimate relationship? Your relationship matters to God. It should matter to you. That's what this means. You see, the people of God, they were chosen by God, you see, as his people. And they had seen him do some great things, but they lived as if he didn't exist. Do we do that? Imagine going through your house and pretending like none of your family members are there. Like just walking past your spouse and just not saying anything or even glancing at them. That's one of the most important things that we will learn is that God desires an intimate, personal, real, genuine relationship with each one of us. It shows you how valued you are to him. What humility is, is this. It's recognizing that. It's recognizing who God is, right? How big he is. How great he is. It's recognizing that. But it's also recognizing who you are in relation to him. Proverbs 22, 4 says this, humility, I love this, humility is the fear of the Lord. 
Its wages are riches and honor and life. So you want to know what humility is. It's the fear of the Lord. And look, there's a little bit of good fear in there, and there's a little bit of bad fear. It's recognizing who God is, his sovereignty, what he can do, what he holds within his power and his might, but also how he feels about you. That's the beginning. That's the actual definition of humility, biblical humility. You know, but most people go through life ignoring God, pretending like he doesn't exist, pretending like he's not there, acting like we know everything, acting like we are in charge and we want to do what we want to do, right? That's, that's most people going through life. God's word says, walk humbly with your God. Not my God, but your God. Walk is one's direction in life. It's where you're headed. It's what you're doing day in and day out. The requirement of God is to walk humbly with him. Think about a father and child relationship and how special that is and how you see the authority and the power and the strength in the father, but also the love, the gentleness, the tenderness. In the, see, in the child, you see the awe that the dad can do anything, right? I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of that right now, man. I'm like a wilderness guy. I'm like cutting down trees and, man, there's, you know, survival and that type of stuff, Right? There's, there's that within the child, and I feel like a lot of us have lost that, right? That awe of God, that fear of God, that dependence upon Him, that relationship, that encounter with Him, and He's there waiting for you. Father-child relationship also means, Dad, I'll do what you say. What you say goes. Obedience, submission. So I want to close with this. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Very important question for today. Are you doing what the Lord requires? If we, if we look back upon this and read what Micah wrote again, and you could bring a thousand bulls in here. You could bring a thousand gallons of oil in here. Wouldn't impress the Lord one bit. Are you doing what the Lord requires? You see, one day we will stand before a holy God. And he'll say, did you do what is required of you? But I didn't want to just leave it at that. It's more than that. I don't want you to view God as this boss sitting across the table just telling you what to do. You see, all these things the Lord requires of you, he has already shown to you. You go back to Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. Isn't that good? We don't have a God that just sets back and just says, do it because I said so. 
act this way because I am who I am and I do what I want to. Do it because, hey, I don't care about you. I just care that this gets done. That's not our God. That's not the God of the Bible. We have a God who has shown what is good. And I think about Jesus. And I think that how he came in. And he came into a world that was all out of sorts. And he came and he acted justly, didn't he? Stood up for the oppressed, knelt down to those who were on the ground, touched the lepers, raised the dead, dined with sinners, conversed with women who were written off by men, condemned. He loved mercy. He, he, on the cross, look, they were nailing him, and he said, Father, forgive them. I'm sure he didn't love that moment. He loved the idea of mercy. And man, he walked humbly with God. And you can go back and you can read all of Jesus' encounters, and he is always, always, always connected with the Father. And that's how he addressed him. Father. And we see the difference that he made. So not only did Jesus mo model that for us, right? Here's, here's what I want to get at. He has shown you what is good. Did you know that the Lord did that for you? For you. In spite of your quirkiness, in despite of your failures and your sin, and, and despite of the brokenness of this world and the many times that you have failed and your faults and your, your failures, and look, even though you did not deserve the favor and the love of God, he showed it to you. He showed it to you. What is your response to that? To do the same. Is it not? To do the same. So it becomes less of a requirement and more of a desire when you see it the way God sees it. Amen? Well, let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you showed us love. And then we see in your word that throughout history, you have shown your, your love for the people of this world, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your long-suffering. Father, you have shown your love through guidance and wisdom, giving us your words and your truth to lead us into the, the right life in this world. Father, your words are life. Father, when we see that you are more concerned with who we are becoming than what we are doing, Father, that changes us. You are more interested in, in our transformation and how we are becoming more Christ-like. And, and based on who are we becoming, that, that affects what we do and why we do it. Father, help us to act justly. 
to live according to your word and your standards. Help us to be different in this place. Father, help us to love mercy, to love forgiveness. Father, help us to see that you did that with us when we did not deserve it. You loved us when we didn't deserve your love. You forgave us when we did not deserve your forgiveness. Father, help us to walk humbly with you, not just to believe in you, to, but to see you each and every day of our lives as being our Father, and that we are your child. God, you know what's best for us. And you promise us that if we are humble, that not only will our lives be blessed, but our lives will be a blessing to others. That's what this world needs. More people showing the love that you have shown them. I pray if there's someone here today that hasn't made the heart decision to place their faith in you, I pray, I pray that they would do that today. That they would just, in their heart, say, God, I need you in my life. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. I believe he died for the sin of the world, but I believe he died for my sin. And God, I believe that three days later that he rose from the, from the dead through, through your power, through the power of the Lord, and that he conquered death to show me that, that I will live forever, to give me a, a new life, and that now I give my life to living for him. I pray that that person would just give their life to you today, God. God, just be with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.